pray. Father, I thank you for uh, this morning. I thank you for these graduates and the, the, the future that you have for them. And I, and I pray that as we look at your word now, that, that there would be the sense I'm not just talking to graduates, I'm talking to the church, that this is for us, <clears throat> that the truths of Acts 15 and Galatians 3 would be truths that we all live out, we all embody the gospel in our lives. So would you, by your Spirit, lead us into the truth? Would you clarify things? It's kind of, a, kind of an important text this morning, and I pray that its significance will be felt by each person here. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So please turn to Acts 15 in your Bibles. <clears throat> so uh, one of the scenes I love in Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring, is the Council of Elrond, Right? So you've got these different kinds of people coming from the four corners of Middle-earth, and they've got to come together, humans, elves, dwarves, and maybe there's other stuff I don't know about there, you know. And they've all come together for a common purpose. And the purpose is the fact that this, this ring has been found, and this ring is the, the, the representation of evil in Middle-earth, you know. And, and uh, Sauron wants to get the ring, and, and he wants to rule over everything, but they've got to form a, a fellowship, a small group of people. They're going to take this ring to Mount Doom and throw it into the volcano and, and destroy the thing. So this council is of huge importance. And, and if you watch the movie, you know, there's this scene where they're, where they're going into, I think it's Rivendell, and, and, and there's this waterfall and, and the music is playing, and it's this beautiful, beautiful place. And yet, what they're there for is very serious. And what they're talking about, how are we going to deal with this evil ring? What are we going to do to deal with this incredible challenge? And I think of that council in a similar way to what I, how I think of Acts 15. Acts 15, you've got Paul and Barnabas, and they are in, they are in Antioch. And there are some people that have come down from Judea to Antioch, and they are telling the church in Antioch, unless you've been circumcised according to the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. It's not enough to believe in Jesus. You must also follow the uh, Old Testament law, the Mosaic law, the Ten Commandments and the 617 other commands of the Old Testament law. And, and, and circumcision would be like kind of like the height of that. That's kind of like the mark of a Jewish person, right? And so they said it's Jesus plus law. Jesus plus circumcision. Otherwise, you cannot be saved. And so Paul and Barnabas travel to Jerusalem and there is a council called to deal with this vitally important issue to the church. I can't underestimate, uh, overestimate how significant this issue is to the church. It's Acts 15. And even though... You know, I don't think I ever realized how important Acts 15 was until I got to college and I was reading it and like, this is huge. This council is huge because they're dealing with such, they're dealing with a gospel issue. And whenever you deal with a salvation issue, a gospel issue, that's like the highest. I mean, there, there's different levels of doctrine. We sang the creed this morning, you know, and there's some stuff that's down here. Like, when's the tribulation going to happen? I don't know. Some of you are pan-tribulationists, right? Pan-millennial, all pan out in the end, right? It'll all be okay. But 
up here there's these first level doctrines. And salvation and the gospel are at the top. They're at the top of the top. So Acts 15 is, we've got a challenge. And Paul and Barnabas go to Jerusalem and, 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 and they're talking to James the Just. You know, he's the leader of the church in Jerusalem. They call him the Just because he is, you know, he is a follower of the law. You know, he is a righteous man. And Peter is there. He's been a missionary to the Gentiles as well. And they've got to set out this thing to those leaders in Jerusalem and say, what do we do with this challenge? Must we obey the law to be saved? Do Gentiles need to become like Jews or is it enough to just believe in Jesus? And this is what they say. So if you're in Acts 15, I'll be there in just a moment. Acts 15 And we'll start in verse 6. The apostles and the elders met to consider this question. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them, Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that He accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as He did to us. He made no distinction between us and them, for He purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the disciples a yoke that neither we nor our fathers have been able to bear? No. No. We believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. This is Peter's speech. I'm not going to take a long time in it, but I want want to just trace... Peter's argument here, before, before I, I really address you graduates directly and give you some, some good thoughts I hope to, to, to chew on before you leave this morning. But this is Peter's argument. Peter, number one, is speaking as a missionary. Can we get number one up there? I think it's coming. Peter is speaking as a missionary, and his argument is, <clears throat> God made me a missionary to the Gentiles. God called me. If you remember a few weeks back, we talked about Peter's vision of all the unclean foods and Jewish people don't eat those foods. But God said, Peter, I want you to rise up and kill and eat one of those unclean animals. Peter's like, I don't do that. No, no. God says, I've cleansed them. I've cleansed them. And so we know the Gentiles, you and me, we've been cleansed if we believe in Christ. So Peter gets up and he's talking about his credentials. Just so you know, guys, I am the first one that God has called directly to go to the Gentiles in the New Testament church. That's me. So what I'm about to say carries a little bit of weight because God never told me to go to the Gentiles and preach the law of Moses. He didn't tell me to do that. Number two, Peter says, God gives the Holy Spirit by faith. This is uh, verse 8. God who knows the heart showed that He has accepted them, the Gentiles, by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as He did to us. Don't miss the beauty of this. God gives the Holy Spirit by faith. How do you receive the Spirit living in you? Peter says, you just believe. And he's certainly referring back to when he was talking to Cornelius a few chapters back. We'll pull that up as a little bit of review for those that weren't here. We can get those Acts verses up. Acts 10.44 While Peter was still saying these things, so Peter's talking to Gentiles. And this is amazing. This is not Jewish people. These are non-Jews. 
And it says, The Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised, there's your Jewish people, who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. God is doing something amazing here. And God is showing it's, it's Jesus plus nothing. If you believe in Jesus, you get the Holy Spirit. It's just believing. It's just faith. It's nothing else. Jesus plus nothing. And so, you know, as much as we love our brothers and sisters across the street, you know, and, and, and they're sprinkling their infants, you know, to, to, to wash away sin, it's Jesus plus nothing. The, the only way you get the Holy Spirit is to believe. And He is given. So it's, it's not the Lord's Supper. It's not baptism. It's none of those things. It's just faith. And Peter says, that's what I saw. And that's what the Lord is doing. And that's the truth. Hugely important. He goes on, number three. This is kind of important too. Peter says, the law is a heavy yoke. Did you catch that? You know, now, we know the law is holy and good. Paul says that. But Peter says, there's another side of the law here. Now then, just as verse 10, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the disciples a yoke now, yoking you know, is what you put on oxen. You know, you can, you can guide them and, and do what you need to do with them. That we, either need, we nor our fathers have been able to bear. This is what Peter says. We haven't been able to do the law very well. I mean, just look at ancient Israel history. Read Chronicles. Read the book of Kings. And you'll see this cycle of the, the, the people rebel against God. God brings them to their knees by bringing in a foreign army. And then they all repent. Repeat. Repeat, repeat. The law is a heavy yoke. Do this and you will live. You know, do this. That's the law. And Peter's like, if we had a hard time with it, are you going to throw that yoke on the Gentiles too? Jesus says, come to me all you who are burdened. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Now some of you might think to yourself, well, how can Jesus say his burden is so light? Because he took the law and it sounds like he made it harder, right? Like he said things like, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery, but I tell you, don't look lustfully, right? And you're like, well, that's not easier, that's harder. But when your heart is changed by God, it is easier. The yoke is lighter when God gives you a heart of flesh. Oh, we'll, we'll get there in a minute, though. Number four, um, God gives salvation by the grace of Christ. This is Peter's last point. It's a strong point. This is what he says. Uh, we're in 15, and we are, um, where are we at? We're going to go into verse 11. No, we believe it is by the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. And I love that. I love what Peter says here. How is a Jewish person saved? Grace, not law. How is a non-Jewish person saved? Grace, no, it's, it's the same for everybody. There's no special standard for Jewish people. They don't have a special set of rules that they have to obey to get into heaven. It's Jesus for everybody. Jesus for everybody. It's grace. Now James speaks up. This is uh, verse 12. The whole assembly became silent as they listened to Barnabas and Paul <clears throat> telling about the miraculous signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles through them. When they had finished... James spoke up. Remember now, James is like the leader of the church in Jerusalem. James the just. Here's what James has to say. Brothers, listen to me. Simon, that be Peter, has described to us how God first showed his concern by taking to the Gentiles a people for himself. 
The words of the prophets are in agreement with this as it's written. After this, I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. In the ruins, I will rebuild and I will restore it, that the remnant of men may seek the Lord. And all the Gentiles, all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord, who does these things that have been known for ages. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are returning to God. Instead, we should write to them, telling them to abstain from food, polluted to idols, from sexual immorality, from meat of strangled animals, and from blood. For Moses has been preached in every city from the earliest times and has read in the synagogues on every Sabbath. This is James' word on this issue. Number five. James says God's word points towards the Gentiles being welcomed in. God's word tells us that. And this is a great reminder for you graduates and for the whole church. When it comes to what we believe, yes, Peter had a vision and Peter had experiences to confirm what he was teaching, right? Peter had reasons to believe what he believed. But James says, I'm going back to the Bible though. I'm going back to the Scripture to defend my view. The Scripture says the, the Gentiles will be welcomed in so I can believe that. This is what God is doing. Always compare your experience to the Bible. That's what we do. It is the authority. It is the Word of God. And that's what James does. Now, James' conclusion is this. This is the conclusion of the whole thing. No, we don't follow the law. We are not saved by the law. Because salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. That is the conclusion. We can pull that up. That's the conclusion. Uh, Next slide, sorry. The answer is no, we are not under the law. We are not saved by obeying the law. The gospel is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. That's the argument of Peter and the argument of James. By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Never forget those words. Never forget them. By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Because the world believes very different things about that. Now, Paul... Oh, there is a matter of these stipulations James gives. And I'll just answer that very briefly. Because James says, we ought to write to the Gentiles and tell them four things that they ought to keep in mind. I don't want them eating food that was been given to an idol. I don't want them committing sexual immorality. I don't think they should be eating strangled animals. I don't think they should be eating blood. Now, I don't want to camp out on this, this topic here. This is a hard topic. Like, why is it that they say the Gospels by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, but don't eat that meat? You know, that's part of the deal. And it's my opinion, just an opinion, that what James is trying to do by putting those stipulations on is he's trying to preserve table fellowship between Jews and Gentiles. Can we eat together? Now, you may eat with lots of different people. You may eat with a person you don't like at all. But to a Jewish person... You didn't just eat with anybody. Eating was an act of intimacy, which is why they said of Jesus, he eats with sinners and tax collectors. Why would you sit down and eat with those people? So I think what James is trying to do is say, I want to make sure Jewish people can come to the same table and eat with Gentiles. And if they're eating blood, that doesn't work. Because God said in Genesis 9, the life is in the blood. So it's not saying, now some people read this and go, oh my goodness, 
I like, I like my steak a little bit on the, you know, undercooked side. What am I going to do, you know? Um, raise your hand because I'm going to talk to you right now. Uh, I'm just kidding. Um, if you like your steak a little on the rare side, I'm not saying this is talking about you. Because when James says it's meat from a strangled animal, I think the idea here is it, this animal's not been bled. You know, the blood has not been drained at all. They're eating the animal with the blood in it because every piece of meat has a little bit of blood in it. Like, we know that, right? I mean, even if you cook it and you like your steak well done, there's, there's blood in that. But if you're bleeding the meat the way you should, that's the point. Blood is not food. It's not food. So I'm not, I'm saying, this, I'm not saying this applies to you steak eaters. What I'm saying is it's if you were to eat blood, not bleed the meat, not bleed the animal. That's what I'm saying. And I think it's to preserve table fellowship. We can eat together, Jews and Gentiles, because I, I'm not sitting across from someone eating blood. There's other things I could say about that. i got a lot of other thoughts about that. I'm going to move on, because I'm going to talk to you graduates now. Can we pull up Galatians? Because Paul has some words to say. Paul was there. Uh, we don't hear exactly a quote from Paul. But Paul has a lot to say about the law, as you know. Um, I, I love what Paul says about the law. I did, a, I did a series on Galatians. If you wanted to look back in our sermon series online, you could hear me talk about this in great depth. But for today, this is what I want to say. Paul says, So then, the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by what? By faith. Same topic. It's faith. But now that the faith has come, we're no longer under the guardian, for in Christ you are all sons of God through faith. Graduate, that's what I want to tell you this morning. And you're like, what in the world? What in the world or do you mean by that? Um, some of your translations, I think King James Version says, the law, the Ten Commandments, all those commands in the Old Testament, it calls it a guardian in the ESV. Uh, a King James Version says a schoolmaster, right? A schoolmaster. What Paul is saying is, when you were young, and I think he means spiritually, I think he means Israel as a nation, when you were young as a nation, you had the law. Don't eat this. Don't lie. Remember the Sabbath, keep it holy. Uh, Don't have mildew in your house. Trim your beard a certain way. You know, all those laws. And they were for you, Israel, in your youthfulness. But now you've graduated. Now you don't need the schoolmaster anymore. Something better has come. And it's faith. It's faith. Faith is better than law. So graduates, this is what I would say to you. Don't graduate from the faith. Graduate to the faith. Graduate to the faith. What do I mean by that? I mean... Your life to this point has been governed a lot by rules. The rules of your parents, the rules of your school. And you needed those rules. And you're still going to have rules when you graduate. I mean, don't get, don't get me wrong. Your, your, bot, your employer will have rules. Your college will have rules. There will be rules your whole life. But your life's been defined a lot by the rules. And now you're going to go out and you're going to taste freedom from the rules. And like I said last week, that 70% dropout rate of young people 
when they hit that 18 to 22 years of age? That's concerning to me. Even though I know there's a silver lining and many of them boomerang back, it's a hiatus. It's a hiatus. Two-thirds actually come back. But that original 70%, I think there's this freedom that you go out there and people graduate from the faith and, 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 and that the Scripture says you're supposed to graduate to faith. The, the law was for you in your youth, in your childhood. Now you're on to something bigger and better. It's faith. It's faith. So let me explain what I mean by that. I'm going to explain it in three, I hope, very simple phrases to explain what I mean by graduating to the faith. Number one, rules are for behavior. Faith is for the heart. Rules are for behavior. Faith is for the heart. You had rules growing up, graduates, like take the garbage out every Wednesday, make your bed every morning, your curfew is 10, your curfew is 11, your curfew, you, you better get in by then or you're going to be grounded. When you were little and you didn't put your seatbelt on and mom said put your seatbelt on and you didn't do it because you were stubborn, strong-willed child, they read the book on that, right? Um, and so mom got out of her car and came around and she, what did she do? She set you in your seat and she buckled you in and next time you're going to do this, right? Because she was mom and you better listen to her, Right? And you, when you were crossing the busy street, you were ready to run out there, you know, into the road, and, and your dad grabbed your hand and, no, you've got to walk with me. And when you went to Walmart, you are about to chase through the parking lot and race into the front, and your parents said, no, no, you're walking with us. It's not safe to run in the parking lot. There were rules and rules and rules. Then you went to high school and you had more rules, and grade school and you had more rules. Homework's due tomorrow or you're going to get knocked off a letter grade. And you were like, no, you know, I've got to stay up late and work on this report because I procrastinated. But... The rules were there all with you through this time. And rules modify your behavior. Rules modify your behavior, don't they? I will act a certain way because if I don't, I'll be in trouble. The rules say I have to do this. Now that you're out of the elementary school and high school, some of those rules are are, are lifted in some ways. And your parents aren't there to make sure you're home by curfew at times. So can you do whatever you want now? We say, no, this is the faith. It's your heart that God wants. And when God changes your heart, you want to obey Him. When you put your faith in Christ, you want to please Him. You love Him. Why wouldn't you want to tell the truth? Why wouldn't you want to make wise decisions to honor Him? But it's not behavior modification. It's the heart. Graduates, watch your heart. Because if freedom means making a bunch of questionable decisions, that's not freedom. That's actually slavery to sin. That's what that is. Slavery to sin. So be free in your faith because that will change your heart. I'm preaching for so long my iPad just turned off. That's interesting. All right. All right. <laughs> um, hmm. I remember a young man who was graduating high school years ago and he sat down with me and he said, Niall, the best thing, things I want to hear, you know, he's like, Niall, I don't want to obey my parents' rules because I have to or I'm going to get grounded. I want to obey them because it's right and I love God. And that's it. That's it. Number two, uh, graduate to the faith. What do I mean by that? Well, I mean, rules set up boundaries. but, But faith invites you closer 
and closer. Faith, rules set up boundaries. Rules say you gotta you gotta pay a cost to get into this concert. You know, pay the price, you can come in, right? Rules set up boundaries. Do this, 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 and this, and you can come in. I'm thinking of like the DC trip, right? You guys probably had to wear name tags when you went into the the White House, right, to identify who you were. If you do this, you can come in. If you don't do this, there's a boundary here. Think about this now, graduates. You guys know the Bible. Where was Moses at when he received the Ten Commandments, the law that we've been talking about? You know where he was at? Mount Sinai, right? He was at Mount Sinai. And how many people were with Moses up there? How many, how many Israelites got to come on up with him and join him in that? How, why did the Israelites have to stay off of the mountain? Remember that? So they don't get killed, I think I heard somebody say. So God doesn't break out in wrath and like consume them. Like Moses, you can come on up. People of Israel, no, you stay at the bottom. And while they're at the bottom, what do they do? They make a golden calf and they're worshiping an idol. Rules set up boundaries. The law says... Israel, you stay at the bottom. Moses, you can come up with me now. You can be with God. The rest of you down there. Rules set up boundaries. Faith invites you closer. You see that? Faith is God holding you. Faith is come closer to me. Peter says it this way. God gave the Holy Spirit to them just like us. Graduates, it's, it's the Holy Spirit living in you as you go. With you 24-7. That's amazing. That's what faith does. It invites the Holy Spirit in. You get God living in you. You get closeness to God. Not distance. Because this is about faith. Number three. Um, Rules require payments. Faith is free of charge. Um, when there's rules, someone's going to break them. I mean, I think probably every rule that's ever made has been broken, right? And many of you broke them. Many of you, when you found out the rules, knew that you were going to break them. You know who you are. Rules were meant to be broken, right? That saying. And when you break the rules, there's a price to pay, isn't there? If you gossip about me, if you lie about me, you owe me now. You've created debt here. When you sin against God, there's a debt to pay there. Rules require payments. Faith is free of charge. I just have faith and God gives me grace and washes away my sin. It's free. And I think in all the fields of the world, you know, all the things you can go into, all the religions that are out there, and graduates, you will encounter people of different faiths. I hope you respect them. But let me, get, let me just give you the easy way to think about other religions. It's pay the price. It's do and you will be saved. It's praying a certain number of times in this direction. It, it, it's, it's meditating. It's, it's doing, 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 and, and you will be saved. Good things will happen if you do this. But Christianity says Jesus paid it, so it's free of charge. That's the only one. And if you want to go beyond religion, you can go to, you can go to the different things, the different philosophies of the world, science. You can look at science and say, if we just know enough about our universe, we will save ourselves, right? And, and, and if you go into medicine, we can heal ourselves. 
if you go into, oh, it doesn't matter what, what field you mention, what ism you're talking about, what philosophy it is, it's save yourself. Save yourself. And yet, we know it's Jesus saves. And I just got to believe that. Faith is free of charge. Um, some of you have uh, sometimes paid my admission. You've, some of you have given me tickets at times to go see the Packers at Lambeau. Bless you. Bless you. And this is going to sound crude because I'm comparing Lambeau to heaven, so I'm sorry in advance. But you paid the price. I didn't buy the ticket. You bought the ticket and you gave me the ticket. Here's the ticket, you know. And I rejoiced. And I drove to the promised land and saw, you know. <laughs> right? You know, I, 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 didn't, I, I didn't buy the ticket. You bought the ticket. You gave it to me. And, and this is the Christian faith, which is different from every other ism, every other philosophy, every other religion. It's always you do. You pay the price. You do this. And ours is unique, and it says, Jesus paid for it. Heaven's open. The price is paid in full. It's free of charge. Some of you, you know, some of you will grow up, and you'll be tempted like all of us adults. Like people, people do something good for us, and, and we suddenly think to ourselves, oh, there's a price, price to pay for this. They invited me to their house. They gave me the tickets to see the Packers. I've got to somehow pay them back. That's not grace. Grace is free, and Christianity does it best. Never get over that. Never get over that. Faith is free of charge. So graduates, my challenge to you is going to be simple. You don't have to remember anything else but this. Please remember this. The law was a guardian. You've graduated on from that. But don't graduate from the faith. Graduate to the faith. That's it. Graduate to the faith. Take your faith to new heights. Trust God for every step and He will be with you. You're invited up the mountain and God is there waiting. Get closer to Him. There's nothing stopping you. Let me pray. Cana, you can come up and get ready for your part here. Father, I thank You for this incredible reality of faith and grace that's available to all Christians. And I pray that this gospel message, this foundational truth, will come to define each of these graduates. That they would live, breathe, eat, sleep for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Living it out, proclaiming it, standing on it, being willing to die for it. There's no other gospel. And there's nothing in the world, no philosophy in the world that comes close to touching it. I know that there may be scientists among us. There may be politicians. There may be people going into many different fields. Engineers, lawyers. We need them all. But above all of it stands the Gospel. It is the best. It is the defining thing of our life. I thank you for that reality and I pray these graduates live it out. In Jesus' name, amen.